0: Aguero. Oh! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. Gavin keeps it. Skill on goal. Look at that pass. Haydock. Goal. Donovan. Well, There's things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross and Dempsey's tonight again. And Donovan has scored.
1: Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA. This is
0: the beautiful game. Oh, it's incredible described by two uglies. Welcome to Bone and Beam
1: United.
0: This is a thing of genius. Happy Soccer Podcast Day. What is up? I am Bone. And I am Beam. What's happening, Bone? Good to talk to you. Yeah, man. We got a lot going on here. We've uh, had a busy week, of course, with the Champions League, so we got plenty of soccer to talk about there. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about what continues to be going on with Liverpool. They get a nice victory in the Champions League, but... What happens with them going forward? Does does that mean something? Are you thinking Liverpool is back? We'll discuss all of that. Uh, there's some concerns with Christian Pulisic, and that is worrisome for my little U.S. men's national team heart. And, of course, uh, there's lots of other things to get to, like the L.A. Galaxy signing a player who's 15 years old. That's kind of cool. It's not Freddie Adu, but still very interesting. So all that and more to come here on Bone & Beam United, but... Beamer, you having a good week so far? Everything been going well?
1: Yeah, man. Can't complain. I mean, just, uh, you know, digging ourselves out of like two feet of snow that we've gotten uh, over the over the last couple of days. So yeah. other than that, I'm good. Back's feeling a little bit tight. I mean, shoveling up that ice the other day was really no good. And then when we get off the podcast today, I will uh, go back out and trudge through the white death to clear, have the the ever challenging task of clearing my driveway, which just seems inevitable that it's going to get more snow and more snow and more snow so i don't even know at this point why i do it bone i mean you have heated driveway so it's no problem for you uh but yeah i mean you know us us like pawns we just uh, we got to go out there and do it ourselves Mm -hmm.
0: that's right those those morning show salaries aren't what they used to be huh yeah no i'll tell you this though the thing is like i i shovel the driveway but then i don't know if i'm supposed to but i've multiple places i've lived the like elderly neighbors near me will usually be very good about shoveling their driveways. Even if, you know, like, I don't know if they're doing it or someone else's, but I've seen multiple old men out over the last like few winters chipping away and digging away at that area where in the curb, your drain pipe comes out from like all your like sump pump and all that. And so here's the problem. We moved into this place, you know, last year Mm -hmm. I have yet to look for that and know where it is, and now everything is buried under two feet of snow. So short of clearing the entire curb, because the whole idea is when the snow starts melting, which next week it will, if you've got a bunch of frozen stuff sitting there, it could cause a backup into your sump pump, and then that water has nowhere to go, and then it floods your basement, so... Good uh, news. The, that's
1: uh, that's that's a great job out of you because I would have never thought about that.
0: Yeah, well, that's something that I I, I I saw him doing it and I never understood it. Like the first time when we bought a house, my old neighbor, Wilbur, who was, that's an old man name, right? Wilbur, mm-hmm. you don't have a lot His of Wilbur. brother Orville anywhere. out there Right, <laughs> exactly. Wilbur would be out there like when first year, I mean, this was, you know, 10, 12 years ago or more. I'd see him doing that, and I asked him one day, like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, i got to clear the drain pipe. You better do yours, too. Just make sure it doesn't back up. So I always do it. I don't know if it needs to be done, but it, it's being done. That's what I know I have to do. So I'm going to have to clear, like, the whole curb area because I have no idea where my drain is. So good times. I'm excited for that. I don't have heated curbs, that's what I'm telling you. He- yeah, only exactly. heated, heated driveway, dri- driveway.
1: right. <laughs> heated grass too. You got some of those industrial strength like growing lamps. Yeah, we got
0: the grow lamps so that we wheel out over the over the grass to make sure it's nice and green for winter. I need some of those
1: on my uh, my roof cuz I mean, it just pesters the hell out of me like dripping and it just lands oh. on like one of our windows mm-hmm. and it just drives me just bonkers oh, yeah. and that, it's like chinese water torture mm-hmm. every day like it's yeah. bad
0: yeah i i tell you it's it's not often that i am envious of where other people live like i really enjoy ohio for most of the year but i can do without like i don't know how people in minnesota do this where they just live with snow it's just like oh yeah we it's have a thing. permanent 18 thing. inches of snow just sitting on the ground at all times i don't i for like six months of the year i don't i don't like that i'd rather no i'd rather i'm, I'm now i want rain and mud and just let's be done with the snow i'm i've had all the snow i need now Move I want to get texas to
1: bone i mean it never snows down there
0: <sighs> that was man that sucks right Oh Lord, that's a terrible thing. Hope those. I mean, just being
1: entirely unprepared. It means Texas. They shouldn't be prepared for snow, other than when you're down in the, you know, El Paso with the mountains down there. But yeah, it's just it's crazy right now. It's like 78 percent of the country is covered by snow. Yeah, yeah. By the way, breaking news: We're a big freaking country as well, so it's a lot of (laughs) damn snow.
0: Yeah, right. It's not like Ireland. I told you last week.
1: Like we need to make America small. If we were smaller, we'd be fine.
0: Yeah, we need to. We need to squeeze in need to just contract Mm -hmm. in a little bit i do
1: let me squeeze past you
0: oh that's exactly right the (laughs) midwestern talk i will say last thing on the texas thing uh i i got on tiktok not like i'm just i just like look on there it's just like a little thing to just check and see what's going on because i've heard of Mm -hmm. it and so during like the pandemic there's a lot of like quarantine stuff that i've been able to kind of There's political talk on there. I've seen recipe stuff. And so, like, TikTok really curates. If you click on something, it's like, oh, you want all of that, right? So now what my timeline is full of is my wife mentioned to me a few weeks ago, hey, we should think about taking the girls, you know, at some point to Disney World and try Mm -hmm. to do that. So I clicked on a few, like, Disney things that popped up or searched like disney once and now that's all i get is people who are like here's the new food item at such and such in the magic kingdom and i'm like okay i don't know why i did this and then the other thing i get is videos of people's houses just exploding with water in texas because like of course you know you see that and uh the homeowner in me let alone the human in me feels a lot of pain when i see that so but i that's like all i see now on tiktok is people's houses just like the water pipe flooding, or like, did you see the parking garage in? I think it was in Dallas. Yeah, where a pipe burst over top of someone's car, and it just mm-hmm. was a a stalactite, stalactite, whatever. It's just a giant column of ice covering their entire. I, it's incredible. I've never seen anything like that. So
1: yeah, the ceiling fan that was frozen. Oh like, it's just yeah, a mess. yes, yes. It's awful.
0: It's yeah, craziness. All right. Uh, so enough TikTok and. That's it for soccer.
1: today's show. Talk to you next week.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's talk Champions League. We should probably start with, I don't know, the probably the biggest game that was on the schedule, right? PSG and Barcelona. A lot of storylines going into that one. Barcelona obviously has tons of them on their own on and off the field. And those storylines aren't going away cuz PSG came in and smacked them 4 to 1 at the Camp Nou or the New Camp if you're pre-2001 when They changed it and said you can only call it the Camp New. Uh, What do you think of uh, that performance by PSG on the road?
1: Man, it's really incredible. And we have documented it of our time and doing the show, you know, PSG's mighty struggles uh, to try and chase down that ever elusive Champions League title going into this game, though. I mean, you look at Barcelona and their run of form since we last talked about them, Bone, like starting to play a little bit better, starting to feel confident about your team. And PSG just came in and sent you back to the stone ages. Like it was crazy, man. You look at this game and. And it was pretty wild, like looking at the differences, you know, a couple of years make where Ronaldo's with Real Madrid is scoring against Barcelona in the same kind of style. And Kylian Mbappe, you know, it's kind of been a, a questionable year for him. Like, where has he been at? You know, he's the superstar of this team alongside Neymar, who missed this game. That was another storyline heading into it. But when is Killian Mbappe going to roar? And boy, did he ever hat trick at the new camp. Uh, just crazy to think about, you know, the difference with a couple of years. Like one of the best Champions League legs we've ever seen came between Barcelona and PSG a few years ago. Remember that furious comeback that Barcelona mounted uh, to actually knock PSG out of, I don't remember what round it was, round of 16 or, uh, you know, quarterfinals. I'm not really sure. But these two teams have history with each other, man. And it was uh, quite the monumental performance on the road now. You would hope, uh, if you're a PSG fan, that it's done and dusted. Obviously, history will say otherwise barcelona again uh, they have all the firepower they need to to get back in this tie bone but four goals i mean at the new camp for away barcelona, yeah that's the thing yeah it's four away goals. Goals. that's mean, the crazy part about it and then your guy scored a hat trick like what else could you want if you're a psg fan you're dancing in the streets right now
0: mbappe was uh he was on one he was fantastic and the only goal that they got was from messi did barcelona on a penalty kick which you can argue that penalty was a bit soft. I mean, I think it was. I mean, it, clearly there was contact, but I think you could argue that was something also that was incidental. Maybe um, I don't know. It for me, it was a bit of a soft penalty. But either way, they scored it, and that's that's. But that's the only goal they had. And uh, yeah, I I just uh, <laughs> I don't know that I'm I'm shocked by this anymore because Barcelona has. Not lived up to expectations. They obviously Mm -hmm. have a ton of drama off the field. If you followed, you know, all their finances that we've talked about, and just some of the other issues there around that club, like they don't feel like right now a team that has the type of maybe momentum is the wrong word, but they don't have that feel of a team that's going to go make a storm back and they're going to find a way. They don't have
1: the Barcelona feeling. No, no, they feel like somewhere along the line they have lost that.
0: Yeah, they just feel like a team that's kind of out of sync and waiting for the bottom to fall out. And then they'll they'll regroup at some point. But, you know, Messi's likely gone at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of money that they've got to figure out what they're doing with all. It's not just him, right? I mean, look at all those guys they had that come up through their academy in the last 10 years that now all have been paid. They're all on giant contracts. And, and some of them are living up to them, but most of them aren't. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think they're now at a position where the fan base wants them to do something and they're like, well, we did, we, we signed, we signed Lionel Messi four years ago. We've (laughs) kept all these guys around that you love. And now the fan base is like, yeah, well, we're done with them. We want results and they're not getting them. So it's a weird place for Barcelona to be right now. They're obviously not out of this, but four away goals for PSG. Pretty
1: damn close to
0: being out of it. (laughs) That is a, that's a tough thing to, to stand up to. I don't know how you got to go.
1: You have to go to the park to and score four goals yourself. Like, tell me that they can do that. It's just right. You can't, I can't see a way back. It's just, it's almost impossible.
0: Yeah. And then on top of that, I mean, anything that PSG can do at home lights out, like you're, you're pretty much at a, I mean, they should plan on having to score six goals in this game, you know, because PSG is going to probably put a few of, past of their own. so Yeah,
1: and Neymar's going to be healthy in the turnaround fixture. And, by the way, you still have Kylian Mbappe to worry about. Yeah. So it's not like it's getting easier.
0: Yeah, right. So it's it's a it's a very difficult task for Barcelona, to say the least. I did like the – I forget who was calling the game for CBS Sports, but he had a phrase after I think maybe Mbappe – no. It, it Who scored? I'm trying to think of who scored. It Moise was, Keane. Moise Keane scored the third one, yeah. Um, where after that one where they went up two, that was when he said, storming one of Europe's great castles. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, what a call. That's right. I love that. So, yeah, just a tremendous game to watch as far as if you're a PSG fan, if you're a Barcelona fan, not so much. And here's what's weird for me. I'm still getting used to this with the U.S. men's national team. Like Sergino got uh, subbed off during this game. He wasn't, I don't think, particularly poor. I think they're just looking for some more scoring output to try to, you know, get a goal back and... But he got subbed off, and it's one of the, f- like, not the only time that happened this this first round of matches with the Champions League where I'm like, oh, an American's going off. Ooh, what does that mean for us? Like, this is still weird for me that I have to get used to, oh, I hope our player doesn't get subbed off. I hope the U.S. national team player doesn't get subbed off during a Champions League game. During a Champions League game. I'm still, still pinching myself watching that. But, yeah, that was uh, quite a bizarre scene. So, PSG... On their way, it looks like, in Champions League, to say the least. Uh, speaking of U.S. men's national teamers, Weston McKinney's Juventus, uh, not exactly what you're looking for there either. Porto with two goals in the yeah. first minute of each half. What a bizarre way to get your two goals, but they still count no matter how you get them. I think Juventus was just floored, Both, not, not just to see it happen once, but to see it happen twice was totally bizarre for them.
1: Yeah, it was. And you look at this, you know, what we're talking about with the Champions League, thought Juventus was going to make a good run, right? And obviously that that tie is far and away different than the Barcelona situation that they're facing. But I just, you know, I, I'm looking at this bone and you got Messi one day and then Juventus the next and Cristiano Ronaldo. And you're almost wondering, like it's almost come to my mind now and it's very sad. Like, are we starting to see the dip? You know what I mean? Like, are the great moments dwindling? It's obvious that both those guys are two of the greatest guys to ever kick a soccer ball, you know, in the history of the world and the greatest that will ever be. And there's no debate in my mind about that. But, like, it's almost coming coming now to, like, the saddening stages. Like, all right, well, Barcelona's probably going to be dead. Juventus still, you know, a chance to get through to the next round. But, like, it always used to be one of those guys, like, in the final. And they were going to be the highlighters. Like, you know, you're going to have Messi or Ronaldo. And now for the past couple of years, it's like, all right, well, what's kind of happening with this is are we starting to see the downfall of two of the greatest? And you know, it's just, I don't know, man, it's kind of sad.
0: Yeah, it is a little bit. I don't think we're done yet with Juventus, at least in this tournament though. I Um, agree because I do think getting that away goal was huge for them. And now that they have that, it's, you know, it's still going to be a thing that I think can't write them off quite yet because now they're in a prime position. If they get another goal, they'll obviously have the, you know, if they can win one, nothing then, you know, and, and don't give up goals the first minute of each half. Sure. Right. I mean, it's just a shock to the system. You well, in like, the first school they gave up too, that was, you know, Juventus gives that up and it's because you're screwing around in the back. Your goalkeepers just, I don't know what he's thinking there and, or it wasn't really him on that one. It was uh, the back passing that happened because there were a couple chances that occurred like right after that, they almost got another one did Porto, but it was I'm trying to remember the player midfielder for Juventus who passed it back and just it was a it was a terrible back pass and forward for Porto got on it and scored it quickly and that's how the first goal that was the first minute or two of the game I just if you if you can avoid mental mistakes like that and if you can do your job a little bit better to start the game I think Juventus will be fine in the second leg so I I definitely wouldn't think that they're done but you're right the the dip could eventually occur with both of these great players and who knows I'm I'm not writing any of it off yet until I see it officially until I see you know Cristiano Ronaldo Lionel Messi not getting it done in big games for multiple seasons then I'd say all right well maybe it is time um but yeah speaking of U.S. men's national team guys like I said Serginho Udes got subbed off Weston McKinney subbed off after an hour in this game that's not great either that's frustrating he's a really good player has been for most of the season for them but yeah not ideal that's uh yeah
1: and i think too i mean when you're trying to get you know one of those goals back it's just You know, sometimes you see it and I don't know what sometimes guys don't have it, too. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you know, sometimes you'll be playing in the biggest stages and we've seen flashes of brilliance from Weston McKinney. I mean, he's playing with Juventus, for God's sake. Like, it's obvious he's done his right thing to be starting in that side. But you're right. Sometimes you just don't have the legs or maybe, you know, whatever, you know, tactics that the other managers deploying uh, kind of eliminates eliminates the effect from a game and i think we saw that not necessarily worried uh about about you know weston mckinney at juventus bone but yeah it's uh you know from where we were a couple of months ago to having what like 13 players playing a champions league game uh, yeah. on the same match or whatever that number yeah, was. It yeah was it was stupid, insane uh to going from the round of 16 like your premier players now being subbed off or not featuring like it's uh yeah not wasn't the best week for the u.s men's national team no doubt
0: No, it was not. Uh, We'll take a break when we come back. The rest of the Champions League action from this week, previewing what's coming up next week and uh, some discussion around Liverpool and their issues. We'll get into all that next. You're listening to Bone and Beam United. Welcome back to Bone and Beam United. So let's continue talking Champions League here. Dortmund gets a 3-2 victory over Sevilla. Uh, deflection off of two Dortmund players was the first goal for Sevilla. I think that was within 10. First, yeah, yeah, I think it was the seventh minutes.
1: minute, eighth minute, something like that. Yeah,
0: so that one was a little weird. Um, but then after that, Dortmund put their foot down and they pretty much, they got Erling Holland. He's big yeah. in these moments. He's big no matter what. He was a beast. Two goals for him. Uh, it, it really didn't look like that close as the scoreline was. Sevilla got one late, but... Yeah, Dortmund with three away goals here. That's going to be, I would think, tough for Sevilla to overcome.
1: Yeah, and I would too. I mean, you look at, you know, kind of evolution, the next iteration of Dortmund and where they're at right now, just scoring at a clip. I mean, De Jong scores the goal for Sevilla at the end uh, right there to make it a little bit more interesting heading into the second leg that's going to be played uh, out there in Germany. But, yeah, they were the dominant force in this game, man. Erling Holland is just, I know that we've talked about him before, that dude's a freak. Like, he is, (laughs) like, undoubtedly, and I'm so excited about this, too, because, you know, we've had Messi and we've had Ronaldo, what we were talking about in our last segment, for so long, and they've been mainstays. I'm not saying that they're going to get to this level, but the future that you have with Erling Holland and Killian Mbappe now, like, Mm. really starting to come into their own as some of the world's best players and also being at the age that they are, like, you're setting up something crazy. Like, I think Erling Holland has scored 17 Champions League goals, Boone. 17 of them is that good dude is yeah the dude's on a different planet right now he is by far one of the best strikers in the world let alone in the bundesliga and he's showcasing it again in the champions league
0: yeah he's he's fantastic and it's just the power i think that you see from him when he gets on the ball uh it's 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 pretty gnarly when he hits one so you just and it's not even just like i'm not even talking about the power from his shot although that is a good thing like He's, he's just, so big. Yeah, he's a big dude, and he's not – like, imagine trying to tackle that guy. Imagine, like, all right, I'm going to get stuck in going up against him. It just feels like that ends badly for about everybody in the world. So, yeah, he is a a, a big, frustrating guy to handle, and Dortmund was able to use him to their advantage, of course, and, uh, yeah, so – they should be in prime spot to advance after that first game with the three away goals. So, like, sign
1: me up for—I don't know if it's going to be next leg or whatever—if both these teams get through, but a PSG Dortmund like matchup oh. in the Champions League with both no those kidding. guys at the peak of their
0: powers, like, sign me up for that uh, 365 days out of the year. Like, I'll be glued. Well, to the team. what do you think the chances are? Because I like to play this game in my head sometimes. Like, what do you think the chances are that a Mbappe and an Erling Holland end up on the same club? team? at some point playing good. like yeah right <laughs> like like that a super team says we'll take both of those guys and that'll be our front line good luck stopping it and
1: i've done that in fifa with my <laughs> team so they're both on manchester united so there you go i've seen it happen yeah. already
0: how great would that be i mean, that's got to be a dominant team you've put together so that's the if it works on the video games there's no way it can't work out uh, in the real world, but Victor
1: Lindelof, yeah. by the way, not my starting center back anymore. <laughs> like he's out of there. <laughs>
0: Go figure. Go figure. Um, Liverpool gets it done against Leipzig. Uh, two goals in what, like five or six minutes, mm-hmm. and two terrible mistakes by RB Leipzig. Like both just bad giveaways in tough spots. And the first one, Mo Salah had no problem with. He just you know took it. And you could even see the I'm trying to remember who made the back pass. Unfortunately, that. Didn't really connect to his center back, but as he made the pass, like solid jumps it, he's off to the races. And as he's moving into the penalty box, getting ready to line up his shot, you see the guy who made the pass, just put his hands on his head. Like he didn't, the ball's not even left Salah's foot. He's yeah. not even taking the <laughs> shot yet. And he's like, well, I already know. I've down. screwed this up. I've put my goalkeeper in alone with Mo Salah. Why would I do that? What a terrible idea. So Does that mean Liverpool's fixed, though? I mean, this is obviously a good result for them, but I'm still a little skeptical of Liverpool in this matchup because they got the benefit of two mistakes, but I don't feel like they were dominating this game necessarily.
1: No, and I don't either. I mean, you really go in and you look at the stats, like, sure, they got the two goals, and you're going to be feeling great about that. I mean, there's no reason why you shouldn't, Bone, but you heard heard Jurgen Klopp the other day after they lost to City. Like, yep. Like, it's uh, over for us. Like, we've conceded the title. Like, they know by far and away they're not going to be able to get back into that race. And so we'll see. I mean, can they really clamp down for Champions League, secure a spot for next season in the Premier League? You look at this game, though, 53% possession for Liverpool. Had the three shots on targets. Two of those were goals. Uh, Leipzig's still a grimy team, man. I mean, we know that they can score. Uh, Will be interesting heading back to Anfield looking at this game. Don't necessarily think that they have the firepower to get back in. Liverpool's going to be have to have to be switched on for ninety minutes. But no, I don't think they're fixed at all. I mean, especially with the run of you know Premier League games that's going to come up for them as well. Can they tune tune in for the big European nights? And under the tutelage of Jurgen Klopp, of course, they are able to do that. Uh, Champions League winner just a couple of years ago. But yeah, you're looking at this team right now. Great performances on European nights, but uh, definitely speculative in the Premier League.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. We'll talk more about Liverpool in a second. The uh, schedule, if you're wondering, if you want to see these matchups, the second leg of both of, of all four of them, Juventus and Porto, uh, as well as Dortmund and Sevilla, those games are on March 9th, uh, both at 3 p.m. Then the next day, PSG and Barcelona, Liverpool and Leipzig, March 10th. So that's how long you have to wait to watch those games. Just a few weeks away should be interesting. But like we said, I think, for the most part, the, these all feel like you know PSG is likely to advance. You would yep. say Dortmund's likely to advance. Juventus with work to do. Liverpool certainly you'd think is in a good position, but I don't think they're I don't think they're out of the woods quite yet. Uh, next week, there's more Champions League, of course. Madrid and Chelsea, Atletico Madrid. I'm sorry, going up against Chelsea there uh, on Tuesday, as well as Lazio and Bayern Munich. So, fun battle between traditional. Well, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say traditional powers and Lazio, but. A team that, you know, Maradona wants to famous. They can get you. Yeah, yeah, they can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then you've got Atalanta and Real Madrid on Wednesday and Moinche Gladbach tanking on Manchester City. So four more games next week. That's how... I got to say
1: something real quick and get it off my chest. And this is going to pain me to say it. I feel like city are now in for the double. Like I think that this is going to be the year that it happens. Yeah. Like I, they look just to be an unstoppable force. They do. They like, they are just so good. And it pains me to say it. And Pep is all world. And he's got his guys playing at a high level, but boy, are they just so, so strong right now and I think anybody who stands in their way of it this year is just going to get demolished
0: yeah you know and and I'll say this for Manchester City I don't know why like if like if PSG was in a position to do kind of what they're doing right now not that I mean they look they look great maybe they will win Champions League who knows but I feel like if that were to occur and they became the best team in the world and they win Champions League it would feel like there's something even though it's not like they've paid all these players, ridiculous amounts of money. They brought all these guys in from all over the world. It would still feel somewhat more organic than what Manchester city just feels like a surgical tool right now. You know what I mean? Like they just feel like it's cold. It's sterilized. You know, it's going to do the job perfectly. It's perfectly sharpened and they are (laughs) in the hands of a master, right? Pep Guardiola. He's, he's an expert with cutting teams apart with his tool that he's been given. But It's, I don't know why. Like that just, they feel very like cold, calculated, and you're right, a little little like Thanos a little inevitable right now yeah so exactly let's hope not but uh at least I well, don't it also doesn't help so. I
1: mean we you know when they're allowing fans back in the stadium that they don't have anybody watching them so I think it just feels normal to watch yeah, them uh, at right. the Etihad with no people like it just feels like okay you know another match day here you come three no winners like let's be on with our business don't even <laughs> right. have to
0: watch it yeah it is something else going back to the no fans and stuff like the celebrations are interesting as well because watching them during Champions League I got the same feeling again which is I thought the players were a lot louder when when they would celebrate. Like, when you see some of the celebrations, especially in the PSG game, it's like everyone gets over in the corner and I'm expecting them to be like, let's go, rah. and instead they're all just like, hey. Ah like they're just right they're just like barely because they're because they're, then you're like oh wait they just have been running six miles yeah, And good goal man oh yeah. boy right I it's guess. like sure. we're all here let's just catch our breath and relax for a second like you can switch off for a moment and it but you don't usually get to hear that because what you hear is the screaming of 50 60 70,000 people and so you're like oh yeah they're probably doing the same thing those guys it's like well sometimes they are but sometimes they're just sitting there like all right good goal we've been running a lot, huh? We're glad that we got that.
1: Glad that we got that done. Let's (laughs) chillax for 10 minutes. Yeah.
0: Um, Speaking of, we were talking about Liverpool a little bit earlier. Let's get into some of their struggles. You brought up the city game, which of course Mm -hmm. they lost. Uh, That's no shame in that really this year, as you mentioned, but losing to Brighton, definitely some shame in that. And then they just came off a loss to Leicester, So uh, they are struggling right now. Currently six in the standings, three points ahead of Everton and, Oh, by the way, that's who they play this weekend in the Merseyside Derby. So it's going to be a fun one for sure at Anfield. But uh, yeah, your thoughts on where Liverpool is right now?
1: Yeah, it's just kind of going back, you know, what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, Bone. Like, how are you going to get this team under control? And people over there talking about, is Klopp going to fall on the sword? Could he possibly be sacked? Like, all this stuff. Like, I'm, I'm saying to myself... Like there is a 0% chance that Jurgen Klopp gets fired. I don't care if you don't make Champions League. What he has done for that organization and that team It's just there's no way that that can happen. I mean, you win your first Premier League title last year, you know, the first title that you've won in years domestically, and then you're going to, like, sack the guy the year after. It was one thing for Leicester to do it the year after they won their incredible Premier League title. But now for Liverpool to be in the same boat, kind of, to be able to sit in sixth place and say that Klopp's not the guy, like – it's crazy. So a lot on the line in the Merseyside Derby. Again, I don't think that Jurgen Klopp's job is on the line. I think you would have to be an absolute madman for the board of Liverpool to decide to get rid of him. He's obviously one of the best managers in the world. He has put together a winning team. Sometimes you just fall out of form. So it'll be fascinating to see if they got their stuff right against Leipzig, if that's what they needed to do just to get over that mental hurdle of losing that many games in a run yeah. where they haven't done that, you know, and, years bone we haven't seen them lose three games in a row or whatever it was uh yeah three games in a row in the yeah. premier league like how long has it been since they've done that under Klopp's tutelage I don't think it's ever happened so I think this Leipzig win was really big mentally for them but I think there's their struggles are running deep right now I really do
0: yeah that's what I'm curious to find out is do, do they use that as a springboard to get out of the funk they've been in and it's not all just mental there's the physical limitations when you don't have Virgil van Dyke and some of the other mm-hmm. great players that they've been without. But you know, the, the question becomes they have not lost at home to Everton since 1999. Woo. If they, yeah, it's been a great run, but if they, if they drop this game to a hungry Everton team, who's dealing with their own injury issues right now, correct? I mean, they've got multiple guys like, uh, you know, Hamas Rodriguez is, is dealing with an injury. Um, So you've got, you've got other, you know, injury factors there with Everton, but, if they're not able to get it done, if Liverpool can't get it done against Everton, that's going to be a big storyline. And that could dev- evolve into something where maybe these aren't just little hiccups in an otherwise great situation. Maybe this is starting to fall apart. So, yeah, what if they get blown out by Everton? Not likely oh, to happen, yeah. right, But what if they get <laughs> what if they get like a three nil loss at home? In that matchup, in this yeah. season where they're on your heels and then they would uh, draw... No, they'd draw even or... Yeah, they t- they draw even. They would be tied at that point if that happens, but... That would that would undo all the good from your Champions League victories. So
1: Yeah, it sure would. And I know that my next door neighbor Eric would just be going through the roof. Like all of his friends are Liverpool supporters. And so like, they come over and watch the game uh, and everything. And he just decided to pick Liverpool just to be, you know, a prick in their side about it. Mm. And so like if they win that game bone, like my next door neighbor Eric is just gonna be <laughs> drunk off of his ass for like the next two weeks
0: yeah I can understand that our guy Phil will be drunk off his ass as well for very different reasons if that happens so yeah that's that's no good um all right concerns with Christian Pulisic uh Mm -hmm. didn't feature for Newcastle in their or for Newcastle for Chelsea in their win over Newcastle uh Tuchel says not to worry Thomas Tuchel says don't worry guys Uh, Yeah, Tukes is like, nah, man, me and Pools, we're good. We're all, we're totally bros. Uh, I didn't start him because he played in the FA Cup game. And then, of course, well, I had three subs and I didn't want to use him there either. But no, he deserved to start. I just, I didn't have room for him, you know. That, that is, I mean, he's, he's trying to make us not feel bad, but that is the concern, right? Is that Christian Pulisic usually would feature in the 15. If you're going to do all three subs and he doesn't start, you, You'd expect to see him get on at some point and he did not so yeah that's that's a <laughs> that's not a great development I again I'd like to just believe that is maybe part of a strategy of m- managing his minutes a little mm-hmm. bit because you know you've got Champions League next week you've got you know very important matches coming up here as well it, domestically because of the fact that you're fourth in the standings you want to hang on to that Champions League spot for next year but Yeah, Pulisic right now at Chelsea, something to keep an eye on. Should should I be nervous, Beamer? Should we all as U.S. national team fans be nervous about that?
1: Yeah, I think there's a little bit of precariousness, right? I mean, when you don't feature in a match, you're always kind of wondering, all right, what's going on here? but we sat here and talked in the summer bone about the spending spree that Chelsea went on and was Christian Pulisic going to be on the outside looking in. So maybe that natural uneasiness kind of comes back to you in this situation, right? I mean, obviously bringing in Tuchel, they had a great relationship with Dortmund and a lot of the parts, Christian Pulisic is the player now because of Thomas Tuchel and the way that he deployed him at Dortmund. But until they find an actual spot for him, like playing in this false nine again, like, what are we really trying here? And so it's easy. I mean, it's really easy to fall out of favor, especially, I mean, when Chelsea's big hitters start to come home and they start to really hit like you could be on the outside looking in yeah. uh, and just like not feeling great about yourself. And that goes into the mental thing too. Like can Christian Pulisic kind of pull himself up by the bootstraps and be able to kind of write the ship of what's happening right now. I think you have faith in Tuchel that he's going to be able to deploy him in the right situations, but still at the end of the day, this is a team who is hungry to win. They fired their manager and Frank Lampard just a couple of months ago. And now we're talking about another guy who needs to get results in Thomas Tuchel with Chelsea. And unfortunately, it doesn't look like Christian Pulisic right now. Now, this could change in their Champions League game next week, is going to be featured. But it's just, uh, yeah, a bumpy situation for them right now.
0: Well, right. And that's that's where I think it, we need to determine, is this some kind of motivational tactic a little bit? yeah. Coaches know how to manage their players, of and course. they know – you know, the minutes they're logging, the mental place that these guys are in. And sometimes they know, look, I think I can win this game without Christian Pulisic. So I'm going to not use him. And I'm going to send a little message to him that I want to see more out of him in training or something like that. And then if that works, then you don't do that two or three or four games in a row. So, yeah, we'll find out this weekend, Champions League next week. What's his usage there? If it's continued to be very limited or non-existent, mm-hmm. then I think we got a bigger problem. If it's something that happens just to be, all right, that was a you know a couple games here and there where he's not been used, and I know he had the time away with you know family situation that that was you know uh, that he was allowed some personal time for. So it's not just. On well, the field and also, you got to
1: take into consideration too, like you know the injury history. Like now, yes. it's starting to become a thing. Like, all right, he's a little banged up. Like, are are you able to play him in all the games? Can you feature him in three games in a row? Right. And so you're looking at that, and that becomes almost more worrisome than about his form. Right. If yeah, you're not true. playing a guy because you don't want him to get injured, then that's going to follow you around wherever you go, whether it be at Chelsea or the next stop where he goes. Bone. These teams are going to say, well, he's got an injury history. Like we can't play him. We can't trust him to give us 90 minutes on a day. And day, day out basis for a couple of games a week. And so that becomes, I think, a bigger issue than not being featured or out of form.
0: Yeah, I agree. And that's that's the really tough part of this, too, is is to know why that is and what's mm-hmm. going on. So we'll we'll get a little better understanding, right? If he comes out, shows on the weekend, plays in Champions League, then I think we're feeling pretty good. And yeah, to your point, stays healthy while he does it, right? Yeah. And 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 can put together a couple months here where he's featuring in, in most every big game earns back his starting spot and isn't getting hurt and going full 90 most of the time, then that'll be telling about, you know, how he's doing. But if that isn't happening, then you have to wonder for a variety of reasons, you know, about a little bit of his future. Not that, you know, not that he's still not a great player, but maybe his future at Chelsea becomes something where they say, okay, it's time to move on. I still doubt that. And I'm not too concerned about it, but just something to keep an eye on as we move forward. Uh, Let's switch over to MLS real quick. You brought this to my attention. I had not actually seen it, but LA Galaxy, they signed Alex Alcala, who is a 15 year old player who was in their academy. Now, they signed him on a USL contract, technically, because they have LA Galaxy 2, uh, which is their USL team. Um, So he'll get some minutes and get to play there, obviously. But I was watching. I don't know if you get to watch any highlights of this guy. I did not. So I checked him out and uh, watching these highlights, they said these were from 2020. There was like the first thing they had on the highlight video was an indoor game. And the first time I saw it, I'm like, are these kids like seven? There's no way these are like grown adult kids. And then I don't know maybe if that was an old highlight or what, but then I watched a little bit more and on the ball, this kid is phenomenal. Like he, he dances with the ball. He's a magician. Like you can totally see where, where all the talent is, where the hype comes from. But I saw what appeared to be like a high school looking game or just, you know, maybe it's like, you know, I don't know what club level. Yeah, club level, U16. I don't know what he was playing, but everybody else there kind of looked like high schoolers. And then this one kid looked like he was, yeah, like 10 or 11. So I looked up and I thought, man, because he looks so much smaller than everybody else. He's listed height is 1.55 meters, which according that's according to transfer market that equates to five foot one. No. I mean, he's only 15 years old, right? But right. I'm just saying, like, when you play in even the USL, that is a you're big... You're going to get bodied. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get hit by some big physical guys. So I'm curious. I mean, they obviously see the talent in him. Supposedly, Manchester City had a deal in place. I don't know if it still is. He's trained with Manchester City. He has trained with some of the other biggest clubs in the world. Uh, he is a dual US and Mexico Representative, currently in the Mexican uh, mm-hmm. youth system, so he very well could represent Mexico at, at the uh, you know national team level or the U.S., but yeah, he, he looks like to be a very talented player. Manchester City at one time owned his rights to when he moves on, like at 18 years old, they have an, an option to sign him, so I don't know if that's still in place, but either way, tons of hype, you can understand why, but yeah, we'll see if he grows into his body a little bit to be able to play, because man it's just it's it's nuts right you don't see 15 year old players at in mls getting signed too often and he may end up featuring for the galaxy at some point this year you never know
1: yeah, I think it's really cool, right? I mean, we've talked about this with MLS. Like, you're kind of having an identity crisis on what kind of league you want to become. And I think this is the way of the future, Bone. I mean, sign these young, you know, super young future superstars. Hopefully, for you know that young man that he's able to get to the level uh, that he's being predicted to. But just the league in general, right? I think this is the way to have the healthiest league for you. Go out and sign these, sign these kids. Hopefully, they pan out and they're able to do something. But I mean, what a remarkable achievement that is. 15 years old signing for an MLS team like like you said he's going to play for LA Galaxy too but at the same time like you don't see many of those happening and so all eyes are going to be on this kid moving forward uh, of course but it's uh, it's pretty wild I think it's the best way for the league again uh, to be healthy for me is to go out and sign these and kind of have a youth player movement where then uh, you become a selling league under these bigger clubs and I think it's just naturally uh, a better fit for MLS right now where they're at in the world landscape but still pretty big deal I mean for LA to get this guy
0: yeah well and that is essentially what what MLS used to have a reserve league there obviously are plans I think to have something like that this year and then going forward I know the crew they want to eventually have a a USL you know crew two more you know that that whole thing um, which is good like this is necessary this is what you need to have is youth development so having your players not just playing academy games, not just playing against other kids their age, going up and playing against adults and guys who are getting paid to do this, and those players getting paid too, and learning how to deal with those expectations, uh, because it can obviously go really well. You can have tons of youth players who have played at that age who eventually, you know, get to a place where they can be seen by you know bigger audiences, and they end up going to you know massive clubs across you know the ocean over in Europe or wherever else. But you also have the Freddie Adu's of the world who he still goes down and his name comes up. I know there's a podcast out by Grant Wall right now talking to him and kind of going through like what happened with Freddie Adu. But that was a guy who got signed at 14 years old to play for D.C. Julian Green.
1: Same thing. right? Yeah.
0: Julian Green was an early player. Right. Uh, Eddie Gavin famously for the crew. I think he got signed when he was like 16 and played in MLS games when he was 16. Um, But did you see, by the way, the news about Freddie Adu? The thing that happened this week? So he played. He had signed with Swedish club Osterlin FF. Oh uh, my guys! F. Timmy, Timmy Hall's favorite team. Ff. Mm-hmm. F, F. Uh, so, so they they terminated his contract. Like after they signed him, he reported to the club. They had him there for a few weeks or however long it was, and they have terminated his uh, agreement. The club's vice chairman Philip Lidgren said, "We made the decision last Saturday. We had an agreement with him that he would have a chance to show himself." But from what we have seen, we have a hard time seeing that he will be able to compete. He has a lot of football in him, but the physical and mental are missing. Uh, And he went on to say he was clearly disappointed. He's a really nice guy in every way, and I'm convinced he would have been a great football player. But he lacks the physicality required. We were actually a little surprised at how unprepared he was when he came here. Yikes, that last line is not good. Like Freddie Adu has been given a lot of shots and a lot of chances, and I feel for him because... Maybe too much was put on his plate early on, but someone gives you a chance to go back to Europe and try to play. I mean, yeah, I don't remember the last team he played for, but at one point, I mean, he played for Monaco. Like, he played with some pretty big clubs at one time in Europe, and then this is how you, sh- you show up basically not in shape is how I read that, so... Yeah, it's, that's not a great look for him at all. That's too no, bad. No,
1: that's how, that's how I read it, too. I mean, what is he, 31 years old now? I think so. Uh, coming, coming to the end of the road in his career and to get an opportunity after being out of the game. His last team, Bone, was actually in 2018 with the Las Vegas Lights. So there you yes. go. That's oh, what he yeah. played for last. Yeah. Uh, but it was three years since he's been on a team and to show up. Basically, I'm reading that as out of shape as well as two fat guys, you know, record this podcast <laughs> talking about people yeah. being out of shape. Well, right. But still, like we, that is not my job. It's not my job to report uh, yes, to a soccer camp exactly in right. shape and go out there and score goals for for a team. Like, that's not my job. My job is just to talk about it. But yeah, it's a, uh, it looks like a, a kind of a, a sad, long, winding road for Freddie Adu might be coming to an end.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's really uh, too bad to see. Hopefully, you know, for his sake, he's able to find something. but. Man, yeah, that's just one of the. You'll never know potentially what could have happened with him, what could have been, because he. I mean, it's not. like It's not like Charlie Davies, right? Charlie Davies sure. was a good young player for the U.S. national team, was flying high, had that car accident that mm-hmm. almost killed him, and then he he was just never the same player after that. This is different. Like Freddie Adu had plenty of chances and and just never, for whatever reason, he just never ended up being as as good as he could have been or what he was hyped up to be all that time so yeah interesting to see the least hopefully Alex Alcala has a better uh, chance and better you know uh, career than Freddie Adu had
1: maybe he can have a better goal scoring record uh, than Chicharito at the LA Galaxy (laughs) as well
0: (laughs) that won't be hard to do but yes let's hope for his sake uh, he does as well Uh, now last thing before we get out of here you of course being a Red Devil yourself big Manchester United fan uh, Sir Alex Ferguson there's a documentary coming out and I know you're pretty excited about that. It's coming out this spring, right?
1: Yeah, it is. So it's actually going to be released in May, Bone. And it's uh, Amazon and Universal are putting this together and... Uh yeah, so you got DNA Films, who is the one uh, who is producing this. They're known for Oscar-winning movies, The Last King of Scotland, X Machina. Uh, and then, yeah, so they're going to basically – it's a documentary about Sir Alec Ferguson. Uh, they're going to launch it on its prime service, as Amazon is, in the U.K. and Ireland on May 29th. And Universal Pictures is lining up a theatrical run in the U.K. and Ireland on May 27th. And the studio has world rights apart from North America. So I'm not really sure – what that means for us here in the States, if we're going to be able to watch it on Amazon prime or if it's going to be in theaters or what, but it's just going to document like his life and it's going to be awesome. Like, I cannot wait to be able to get my hands on this, to be able to watch it, to show, you know, his rise to fame and power at Manchester United. Uh, And then, of course, I mean, still serving pretty close with the club. Uh, You know, his health scare that he's had a couple of years ago, bouncing back from that. So I'm just, I'm really, really excited. You know, anytime, like, you know, the Sunderland Till I Die series is great. Uh, You know, the Amazon Prime, what they did with Juventus and a couple of other teams, like I'm always interested to kind of go behind the scenes and look. And I mean, one of the, the game's biggest giants in Sir Alex Ferguson, getting his own documentary so whenever that is available here in the states we'll let you know about that but supposedly coming to the uk and ireland in may not exactly sure when it's going to be over here but something i'm thrilled about to be I able mean, to uh, watch behind the scenes with him.
0: i would think if they i mean they they have to know if you're if you've seen netflix's success with the sunderland till i die yeah you know series Why wouldn't the world, if you're Amazon or whoever, I guess Universal, I'm not sure who has the rights in the U.S., why would you not think, yeah, let's let's make sure we get that out in the U.S.? Because if that's what Sunderland brings to the table, like, what do you think a Manchester United feature does? Of course, it's going to be huge. So, yeah, I would be looking forward just to seeing pictures of him as a young man because I don't remember... Obviously I don't think many of us would have. Like what was it, nineteen eighty six when he took the job? Yeah. Um, I mean, I was four years old when he signed up to coach. So yeah, it's uh and, and obviously Beamer wasn't even a thought at that point. He was just barely, you know, not even a thing.
1: Wasn't so. even a thought with my dad. I mean, let's be <laughs> honest here. I mean, that's Well, crazy. he was
0: he was too busy, you know, fighting spies and doing whatever he international yes, Exactly. He is Russian. Cage. <laughs>
1: by the way that's my big conspiracy <laughs> theory on my dad ask him what he does i don't really know I'd never get an answer for him so there he you just go. travels a lot
0: And is like oh i do lots of things
1: uh, i do computer work son don't yeah. worry about it okay dad i got you also
0: the fact that whenever you ask him when you were a kid for allowance he would say pay that man his money yeah like, exactly are you teddy <laughs> teddy KGBR hanging
1: around <laughs> hanging around but yeah fergie said this bone he said losing my memory was my biggest fear when i suffered my brain hemorrhage in 2018 yeah, yeah. in the making of this film i was able to revisit the most important moments of my life good and bad and having my son jason so jason ferguson is going to direct this film has ensured an honest and intimate account with it so it's going to be
0: awesome man yeah I'm let's let's it. hope it's that let's hope that having his son be the one directing, it allows for him to be very candid, very open. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's there's ways where a documentary done by a family member may not fall under the strictest of criteria when it comes to, you know, someone who was looking for, like, this hard-hitting journalistic piece. There's probably going to sure. be certainly some, some leeway given, right, to things that are favorable to dad versus not. But also, you might get better interviews out of that than if he's talking to someone he doesn't know. So... Um, Yeah, I think that's uh, it'll be a very interesting project either way. uh, As a soccer fan, whether you're a Manchester United fan or not, I would think everybody would be interested to watch that. We certainly will be as well. Um, That is it for us this week. Don't forget, if you're looking for some of the uh, good action this weekend in the Premier League, we obviously talked about the Merseyside Derby. That's going to be a lot of fun. Also, Fulham and Sheffield United are playing, and if Fulham wants to stay up, they need that game in a bad way. Obviously, Mm -hmm. Sheffield's the worst team in the league, and Fulham is – Not that much better, but they feel like they should be good enough to win that game. If they want to get Newcastle right now six points ahead of them, they've still got a long way to go to get out of the relegation zone. But if they can get a victory here, that would suddenly seem to put them a lot closer than they have been the last few weeks. So that's a good relegation battle game if you're looking for that this weekend. Anything that uh, you want to add there before we get out of here?
1: Uh, I've got nothing. Europa League action today at 1 o'clock. Soccer podcasting day, Thursdays around <laughs> 9 o'clock. So uh, Manchester United taking on Adnan Yaduzai Bone back at his uh, old stomping ground. So excited to see him in action today, United uh, in action. Other than that,
0: no, I'm just going right. to go drink myself into a stupor. Well, that's good. I hope Manchester United beats Adnan Virk or whoever they're playing. In game. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, I like i playing soccer. Ah, let me tell you, my top five movies. Wow. Ah. That's it for us. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week. More Champions League discussion next week with those games. Till then, enjoy the rest of your soccer weekend.